Picture this, two guys trapped in the South Charleston Public Library. One guy loves movies, the other, well, he'd rather be watching reality TV. Can they survive each other's films? Find out on Real Opposites, a library podcast about movies. Hosted by Josh and Aaron from the South Charleston Public Library. Hey guys, and welcome back to The Real Opposites. I'm Aaron. And I'm Josh. And this week, we are back to discuss the movies that we chose last time. I chose Squid in the Well for Josh. And I chose The Godfather for Aaron. All right. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Which one would you like to do first? Uh, It doesn't matter to me. Let's do do The Godfather first, because I'm really curious um, what you thought about it. Okay, so Godfather, I watched it. It was a very long movie. It is. Uh, So I watched it in two parts. That's fair. Uh, but it was decent. I will say, I, for me, I don't have the nostalgia of it being like a good movie back in the day or anything like that. Like, for me, it's an old movie. I think it comes okay. across as an old movie. But it had a good storyline. It had character development, which I'm a big fan of. Well, I mean, it's set in the 40s. Right. So in what ways do you mean like it, it felt old in like the setting? Like the time period? No, was I just think or... it came across as an old movie. Okay. I, I don't just know like exactly. This, Maybe just the the way it was filmed or something. I don't know. Okay. Honestly, I have no idea. It just seemed like an old movie. But it is an old movie. Yeah, it's 50 so, years old this year. Right. So, I mean, it's not like it's not an old movie. But I liked the, the old setting. The shot in the 40s. That's when... That type of stuff was big, mafia and and gangs and things like that. Yeah. So it makes sense that it's set in that era. Plus, they had cool cars, all of them. Oh yeah, the cars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the setting and the, the the costumes and the cars and you know. Oh yeah, that stuff was perfect. Yeah. Um, really set the mood for the movie. They did a great job at that. I think it portrayed like like I was saying that era and that whole mafia gang type life that yeah. was a big thing then. Specifically, I mean, I'm sure it still exists, but yeah. back then it was like that's who ruled everything. Yeah, you get to see, especially like in the in the second film, uh, Vito coming over to America in the early, I think it's nineteen, like nineteen ten or nineteen eleven. It's it's very maybe it's around nineteen hundred. Anyway, you get to see the, like the immigrant experience coming over the Italian. Yeah, so that's the second. That's Godfather? the second. Yeah, it's the second so one. It's like a prequel. Yeah, so the cool okay. thing about the second, I mean, we're talking about the, I'd I know, right? the first it's one, fine. but we're going to talk about the second one for a minute. We'll mix it up. So the second one, it cuts back and forth between Vito mm-hmm. coming over to America as a child and then his experience and how he ended up where he was. Okay. And Coppola intercuts that with Michael's, you know, at the end of the first film, he's he's Taking the godfather. Um, it's one of the best last shots in a movie where they close the door, like he's closing the door on, um, on, um, Diane Keaton, his wife. Yes. And, um, and that's the end of the movie. It's one of the best endings ever, but it's, so it shows him, it shows young Vito making a name for himself. And then it shows Michael trying to legitimize the family because he's trying to get into the casinos in Vegas and, um, Possibly even, I think at one point, like um, getting into politics. Okay. But um, so the that's why the, like the second one's my favorite, just because I love the, how it intercuts and stuff. But the first one, the 
you know, it's it's a it's a movie like it's a mafia movie, right? But it's really about a family. Like yeah. you could apply that to any other setting, or you know, they could be running a laundromat, or right. <laughs> they could yeah, be it exactly. could be it could be anything, and it. And I think that's one thing that I liked about it is, and we will, as we talk about my movie Squid and Well, some of my favorite movies are about like family dynamics and how things are messed up, and yeah. you know that basically everybody has issues, and and you see that here because it's kind of almost. I think this one's more of like Michael's story, or it came across that way to me because he de- he, he definitely becomes the right, the but main, I, I, main character even before he's the main character, it seems like it's still somewhat focused on him and the mm-hmm. fact that it's like his coming of age story. Yeah, uh, which I enjoyed that because I know at some point he even says he wouldn't run it like his dad does. He, he thinks no. he's he thinks opposite of what his dad does, but then by the end of the movie. He's I mean, become he's, his he's, dad. And it's yeah, kind of, he becomes his dad. That's, I mean, it's similar. It is kind of a crossover with Squid and the Whale, too, That's with true. the father and son, like Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. And Squid and the Whale, like imitating his dad, played by Jeff Daniels. And Godfather's maybe not quite as like explicit as that one, as far as like he's taking like the same mannerisms and right. traits and stuff. But as far as like getting involved in the business, the family business, you know, it there's there's somewhat. Similar, which is funny how we pick these. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it is always funny when it works out that way. But yeah, I I liked the story. I'm is the second movie as long? It's longer. Oh. It's thirty minutes longer. Okay. Well, maybe one day I'll tackle that because I it is the story was so good that it did set it up in a way that I wouldn't mind to see what happens next. Yeah. If you if you like this one, I definitely say give the second one a go because yeah. I mean it is longer and in some ways it's slower. It all it almost gets like operatic at moments okay. like you know in the at the towards the end of the godfather how he intercuts michael his baby's getting baptized mm-hmm. and they intercut that with his guys assassinating right all of the, well that's that's uh his sister's baby right he's the godfather yeah to the yeah baby. sorry okay. Sorry. I was just making sure I didn't mess something. No, no, you're right. That's, I, that's a shame. I just watched these like a couple months ago, too. <laughs> but and he's, that, inter, he's intercutting that with the people getting assassinated. Right. And that sort of <clears throat> editing and storytelling is more more present in the second one. The second okay. one's more more bold as far as like the filmmaking. Right. Because when Coppola was making the first Godfather, I mean, he was somewhat hampered by the the studio to a certain degree kept he had he had to fight him for like everything for the cast he wanted because right. he wanted largely I and mean, he wanted an italian american cast right you know? makes sense and they wanted i remember i think robert redford for michael and mm-hmm. he would he wouldn't budge and he wouldn't budge on anything and eventually he got the movie he wanted to make but you can kind of feel sometimes in the first movie like he's slightly hampered and then right. by the time the the first godfather comes out it's Pretty much the most popular movie ever made right. at that point. The, the The book was really huge, but the book is very kind of like sleazy and, t- and tawdry. And the, yeah. the movie's a little bit, you can still feel that kind of pulpy nature a little bit in the first film. Um, but by the time he gets to the second one and he's just kind of left free to do, to do what he what wants. What he wanted to. And it's a much more confident movie. Um, from the filmmaking standpoint, and I just love what it does with the characters. But anyway, that's The Godfather Part Two. Yeah. We but, may do a sequel to this one. <laughs> yeah. So, the, I mean, the first one, like I said, you have you have Michael, and he's, it, it's kind of, 
in a way following him. You see his progression into turning into his dad. So going back to the the scene with the baby and the and like all the executions of the different gang members that he's ordered. It's right. That's what I was going to say. That's really like the tipping point where you see him really turning into his father because th- yeah. that's what he ordered and then yet he's just at something so opposite of that. Yeah. For the baby. Yeah, and to like see his progression like at the start of the movie where he's just out of the army because mm-hmm. this is like I think 45, 46 so it's right after World War II and see his progression from this kind of night not naive but just very more innocent of like right. he's not he doesn't want to get involved with the the family business he doesn't yeah. you know he he loves his family but he doesn't want a part of it and then he's kind of forced by circumstance to become the head of the family cuz right. you know his son he's killed and he's really the the heir to the throne you right. know so it's kind of like shakespearean in a in a certain to a certain degree That's like true. that yeah it's a it's just a classic story you know, family and fathers and sons inheriting a throne. So, yeah, to see Michael's progression um, over the course of the movie, especially after his father's nearly assassinated, he's kind of begrudgingly taking the reins to a certain degree. And then one of the best scenes in the movie, when Beto's talking to Michael in the garden and he's he's saying he didn't want any of this for him. And you can see, and it's like, right. you know, Brando was like in the 50s, was everyone's hero as far yeah. as in the acting community. And this was kind of a return for him and that scene is still just heartbreaking the way he plays it um, just because he doesn't want his son to have the life and you know right that he wanted and i think he wanted for him stuff like that is what makes the movie timeless and relatable is that if it had just been kind of like the book and not more universal not really about the family right wouldn't feel like authentic like the way like the way um i forget his name where he's making the sauce they're making they're making dinner mm-hmm. and he, he's telling the kids how to make it you know yeah it's like all that's teaching like, that even all that's coming from coppola and like how his grandmother used to cook and you can feel that in it gives in, it that authenticity as yeah well. you can feel that in the whole movie yeah i think it's just one of the movie one, one of the reasons why the movie just is still generally heralded as like the best movie ever made it's just yeah. it'll it'll never not be relevant. Yeah. And that's what I say. I mean, like when I watch it, it comes across as an old movie to me. And I, I don't know how to explain that. It just well, I mean, it has an old feel to it, which I mean, not the setting because yeah. obviously it's supposed to be. But at the same time, it is kind of timeless because the story is so universal. Yeah. And it's a mix of different stories. You have the mafia mob type story going on. You have the family. You have Michael's personal like upcoming yeah and how he progresses as an adult so there's all these stories intertwined and then you know at the heart of it is that family dynamic yeah um the dynamic between even michael and diane keaton his wife yeah even their story the progression of it because i guess they dated at one time and then he had the wife over in in uh, Italy. Italy. Yeah. Who blew up in a car. Yeah, because they were trying um, to kill him. Yeah. And I, I will say that scene, though, I, I got to that point, and it seemed like he he's like, bring the car around. She's like, I'll drive to you, and then she just explodes. And then I felt like it. they didn't really acknowledge that anymore. Well, they, I think— Unless right, I missed something, but no. it was like it cut to the next scene back in America, Yeah, and like, then like he was back. Yeah. I mean, it cuts to like a year later. Yeah. And I guess that's why, but I felt like— it needed something right there to acknowledge because it, it made her like she was almost less of a character, like, which I think she was anyways. Yeah, but she's more like 
a like a fill spot for that Ital- uh, story in Italy for what for what could have been or something. Right. You know, it's... like the perfect life he wanted. Um, yeah, uh, and maybe and that, that maybe that's part of it. It's an abrupt end to that. So yeah, I mean, because her her death, you know, signifies that 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 part of his journey is over, and now right. he has to return. You know, it's like it's like he can never escape. Right, he can go halfway around the world, and he's still going to be hunted, or it's it, the 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 business will n- never not be there. Right, you know? yeah, because um, at that time his brother had already died, and that's why yeah. he was heading back. And I guess he was yeah. going to bring his wife, yeah, or eventually bring her over. But I don't know. There was just something about it that it was like she blew up, and then that was the end of that part of the story. And yeah. I was like, they, I, they, I would have been okay with some kind of extra scene about that wife, they, giving her a little bit of an ending, other than just. They they actually bring that up. I, I don't think they bring it up in the second one, if at all. But in the third one, they do bring. Oh, okay. Like he talks about how how much that meant to him. I think I don't. It might be a different whichever version, depending. That scene might not be there because there's three different versions of the oh, third okay. movie. Well, that um, that would be what I was missing from yeah. that. Well, so it's like it makes sense that they hold you know later on come back to it. Well, I mean, I, I think. As abrupt as her death was, that's how that ends. Yeah, and I guess that does make sense with that, the way um, they filmed it. But like in the third one, he's pretty much near death, and he's just kind of looking back at his life and how much he regrets and everything. And right. Has a whole trilogy. They You see the, the arc of a life. So you kind of need to watch all of them to get the whole story. Yeah, I mean... I mean, you can stop at one and be perfectly fine, and just oh yeah, it's like, a good movie on its own. Or you could stop at two. I mean, third one is generally not as well regarded. Mm-hmm. I've always liked it. Any of the versions that I've seen, I mean, it's not quite as good as the first two, but it's still a. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's still better than most movies. <laughs> I mean, it's still Coppola, and it's still like the whole cast of Pacino and everything. Right. And it's like so. There's still a lot of great stuff in the film. Yeah. Before we move on, I want to test Aaron and see if he paid attention last week or last time when we were talking about color. Oh. Did you notice any of the, like, important color touches in the movie? Definitely not. Okay. So, I thought they all used pretty dire collars. It's pretty it's pretty stark. There are, like, yeah, two, two big pops of color that baby. happen, and it's oranges. Which signify like death in the movie. Like every time there's an orange on the screen and it stands out because so much of the color is muted. So you'll see the bright orange on the screen is kind of symbolizing like conflict or death is happening. And then red, the like red rose from the cover from Vito's vest. When people are obviously when people are shot, the blood is like almost unnatural. I did notice that. Yes, that is true. That is something I was going to bring up. I wanted to talk about the. The, the scene in the in the, in the diner that mm-hmm. when Michael kills the, the the police chief and the I forget his name the other head of one of the families yes um, so like yeah the like, that's like his first killings um, so like Toby was saying like the use of the color the the blood is very it mm-hmm. pops off the screen it does. so Gordon Willis shot all three films and the way he shot the films was in very natural light the blacks are like deep. There's right. no, there's like infinite black. There's nothing there in the background. So it made it that pretty much nobody could color correct the movie. <laughs> nobody could go in and change what he wanted because the way he did it during production is pretty much how it should be. Yeah. Like, so no one could go screw it up later. So yeah, the movie is very, it's like sepia tone almost at times. Right. Kind of reflecting that time period. There's a lot of browns and oranges and 
Um, but yeah, when you do get a big pop like the the blood, it really pops off the screen and and that scene like so what did you think of that scene because it's like the way they set it up where you know he goes into the bathroom they set up the gun gun. for him like what did you think about how they played that scene out i i liked it um that was a good scene it's a another like pivotal moment as well because i think it's his first it's the first family kill yeah it's the first time he's really committed violence in name of the family right it is in retaliation of them not being able to do whatever they want, or I don't know if that was the one that sent the kill on his father. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. So I mean, it's in retaliation, but it was it was good. You you really see the dynamic between all the different families and things like that, and how things are run because mm-hmm. there's you know you meet with these people, but there's so many other people in the room. Yeah. And they had to like sneak the gun in and hide it because of course they would check for stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And but but the scene itself. You can, you can almost feel his nervousness, which I liked. Yeah. Um, because even when he goes into the bathroom to find the gun, he's kind of like fumbling and trying to. Yeah, find yeah. It. Like I mean, it takes him a little bit to find it, and I, I honestly thought it was going to end up different because I thought either the gun wasn't there, or because yeah, he goes in, he can't find, he can't find right. the gun, and it seems like he's in there for a while, and I was yeah. like, oh, he's going to die in there or something yeah. like. Obviously not die, but yeah, he's going to get shot. Found out, yeah. yeah. But then he just he finds the gun. He comes back to the table. He sits there for a second. They start talking again, like nothing's going on, and yeah. he just like shoots the guy right in the head. What do you think about like how they, how he shot that scene, and did you notice the sound, like what they did with the sound? It was very quiet. Well, like I thought, you know, when he comes back to the table, mm-hmm. it's almost the, I think the whole the whole scene is just. This very, very slow push in on Pacino. Right. He's not saying anything. He's just thinking about what he's going to do. It's like he's coming to terms with with the decision he's going to make. Right. And you can see it play in his eyes. And if you if you notice, the sound increasingly grows a little bit more chaotic. I think you mm-hmm. hear like a train go by. The sound is signifying the wheels turning in his head. And right. It's just one of the the best scenes in any well, that- movie. The way they shot that. He makes a decision and then it cuts and he shoots... Yeah. Shoots Sterling Hayden in the throat. And then I still don't know how they did, like, reshoots the the other head of the family mm-hmm. through the glasses, through his glasses he's wearing. Right. And you see the blood come out. And it's just like, even now, it's still kind of like a shocking moment. And it's like, oh, yeah. Because just, it's totally unexpected. Because before in these kind of movies, you didn't see that level. And it's like with the horse thing at the start, too. You didn't see, oh, yeah. you didn't see that, that level of like, it's not like super graphic or anything. It's not super gory, but it's just like gory compared you know, to what it you was. Have you seen in a mainstream movie someone shot in the throat? Yeah, or shot through the eye, through glasses in the eye, and it's like it's those little details that make the violence memorable. Yeah, and make it like really like you're not going to forget <laughs> that scene and what happened, or like the horse thing too. You know, right. Of course, when I watch these movies, you know, I don't think of these things. I don't think of color. I don't think of how things are shot, but. When you asked me about that scene, I remember how it makes me feel yeah, in you that still, scene. You, so, like, I felt the nervousness going on with him, and yeah. I did notice the sound now that you mention it. Yeah. Because I know it was, like, more quiet when they were talking, and then he goes and gets the gun, and then you do hear those little sounds that's—he's oh. so in his head that that's what he's hearing, not so much what they're saying, because they have started talking again. It's not necessarily that you should be noticing it, especially mm-hmm. sound. Like, sound's very almost subconscious. Like, you're not really— if it's done well, it should just be natural and it should just elicit the emotion. Right. The same way with the camera work. I mean, 
course, there's more elaborate set pieces that really call attention to themselves. But mm-hmm. it's like out of body almost because you're not really you're becoming so invested in what's going on just by the simple techniques that they're using to bring you into that character's head. Man, yeah. talking about this movie, I think I liked it better than I thought I did, to be honest. Yeah. 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 Talking about the way things are shot, which I've told you before, sometimes that does bring a different appreciation to a movie. But in this one, I did feel what they were trying to go for. And just talking about it, I think I enjoyed it more than I thought I did. Because in my head, when I when I go to watch a movie, it's like, okay, this is a commitment. And this one was like over three hour commitment or right at three hours, something like that. Two hours, 52 minutes. And I think that's more like what's in my head. And so I'm watching it and it almost feels like a chore to me when I watch a movie, unless it's something like I'm dying to see, um, which just doesn't happen often. So like talking about it, I'm like, okay. so I really liked that scene. That was they did an incredible job of making you feel that nervousness. Mm -hmm. And it did. I don't know for me if it was just the nervousness that the nervousness that you felt with him or the like you said, the unexpected gore. But that scene was surprising to me. I knew he was going there to kill that person. You know, he didn't. I thought he wasn't going to find the gun. He did find the gun. Obviously, he's going to make the kill. But I don't know something about and it might have been the way the noise was done. I was I don't know. But just something about he just pulls it out and shoots him. Yeah. And it's just like. It's That's the end. Like, it's just sudden. And it it is a little unexpected. Yeah. Because, well, they've it's like a classic suspense suspenseful scene like it's right. just the way it's built from beginning to end it's like a mini movie yeah like he goes in he can't find the gun he fumbles and he's like still not sure he's going to do it and he's maybe he's going to bail so they keep setting up different things different ways it could go it could go wrong could go right you know and i think they and, leave it like that you're kind of hanging on to see what it is and it's just one scene but yeah they did a good job of that that i think that and then the scene we were talking about with the baby mm-hmm. where it's just polar opposites of what's going on in the different shots those are probably some probably my favorite scenes yeah the some baby. of the most iconic in the film and like oh, okay well and that makes sense the, then, <laughs> the scene where the baby's getting uh, baptized mm-hmm. and they're interacting with the assassinations that's like I don't know how many times that's been referenced. That kind of scene, and mm-hmm. just films and on like you know Simpsons or whatever. Like they, that's one of the most iconic scenes in a <clears throat> film. And the editing technique of like having like counter scenes intercut together right. is, I mean, not not that that hadn't been done before, but I don't think it had been done quite that well. That's what I was going to say. I think it was done amazingly. I loved that scene. It really brings, once again, the emotion of like him finally taking the reins, making these calls, but at the same time, putting on this show and the battle of good and evil. It, it's kind of all wrapped it, into that. It's kind of, it, it's actually kind of similar now that I'm thinking about it, the way they shoot him in the scene. It's, it's, it's almost like he has the same look in his eye that he did in the diner. Right. Yeah, um, he has a very just solid look the whole time. Yeah. Things are going on around him yeah. um, that are somewhat muted. Yeah. And then because he he's thinking about what's going on outside of there. Yeah. And I think you get a feeling with that, too. Like, he's finally made those decisions, but he's still really thinking about those decisions. Yeah. Um, but you see it carried out, and just, like, the kills are, are good. I mean, they're, those scenes are great, too. Yeah. And the way it's cut is just... I don't know. I love that. I love the 
how they were just so different. Yeah. I just wondered if like you saw things and you were like, oh, this is where this come from. This comes yeah. from like, like the, the, the horse head, the take the gun, leave the gun. Like, yeah. No. Never heard that. Uh, I don't. That's what I was gonna say. I don't know that I've heard a lot of that. Oh. Used in all kinds of like, yeah, shows and movies. Like I've seen it in a an adult version of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Yeah, they cut off one of the deer's head and leave it in the bed of what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, I don't know what I was watching, but I think Rudolph's head gets cut off. I think it's Rudolph's, or maybe it's like. One of his girlfriends. I think like the I think like the girlfriend's cheating. <laughs> We'd have to Google it, but it exists. It was a it was a show. Is it animated? Yeah. In, oh, like, the same style. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. We're I know maybe it. South Park's done something like that. Simpsons has done so many. I mean, it could have been. That's what I'm saying. It could have been just a clip out of something else. Okay. And I've seen it. The you know the um what episode is it? It might be the Timmy versus Jimmy scene in uh, the episode in South Park. Have you ever seen that? Oh, I wouldn't know. I didn't. Um, I'm, I'm not really. Well, anyway, a South the Park scene, or maybe it's The Simpsons. Anyway, the <laughs> the scene where Sonny goes to beat up Connie's husband, who's yeah. who's abusing her, right? And there's like a couple of famous misses, like mm-hmm. where they're. Where he's beating him up, and you can clearly tell he's not hitting. Yes, that is. That's another thing I meant but, to bring up. But they've done that. They replicated that in like Simpsons and I think South Park That's too. Funny. And they even leave the miss. Yeah. Like that, you know, when he hits him with the trash can and stuff. And Yeah, that was, I. that is one scene I meant to bring up that I found like somewhat cheesy, but it was because there was like clearly, it was clearly staged fighting. It was very obvious, the misses yeah. and stuff. And it just, I don't know, something about it seemed kind of goofy. In a way, he's like throwing a trash can, then he like picks up the yeah, trash I mean, can his, lid. And but then again, if you're going to beat up somebody because they're beating up on your sister, it's yeah. probably going to be something where well, your yeah. your anger is so much you're going to miss punches yes. and you're just going to grab things near you. Exactly. And use it and, so I mean, it lends some so authenticity to it. And Sonny's such a hothead too that that's true. The minute like he's just like anything he can grab. If he could have grabbed like a like a fish, he would have hit him right on the head with it yeah. or something, you know. And now, <laughs> now talking about it, like it does make sense. Yeah. But I, when I was watching it, that did not click, and yeah. it was just like, "Whoa, this scene is weird." <laughs> but, but now talking about it, it makes complete sense. Yeah. Is it maybe Santa's head? It could be. There's a there's a Mad TV skit called Raging Rudolph. It. Very well could have been Matt TV. I was a Matt TV. I I would almost one hundred percent guarantee that this is this is exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, the horse head. Gets... It's a Goodfellas too. Oh, it's Goodfellas. Yeah, not. Yeah. Is that a different movie? It's a different movie. It's oh. a great movie. Oh, this is definitely it. So, so t- <laughs> I guess technically that Rudolph clip is Goodfellas. Goodfellas. More Goodfellas. There's a couple of references to The Godfather, though, I think. Yeah. The shot through the eye. The shot through the eye. Yeah, I don't know if one of them got shot in the throat, maybe, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's definitely Goodfellas. <laughs> but but that just goes to show that movie references do cross over everywhere. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, and even into weird, funny skits. But I don't know. When you, when you were mentioning, is there, like, pulp? culture references now that I get. That's like the only one that came to mind. <laughs> a mad TV skit from years ago. Yeah. Um, about Christmas. So. <laughs> Decapitating Santa. Right. But I, I mean, overall, I did enjoy the movie. Like I said, 
I think I enjoyed it more than I thought I did just by talking about it. Yeah. What's well, the great thing? Like we have very opposite, you know, views, right? You know, tastes and stuff. But you know, the sharing of ideas and opinions really can open you up to new, new thoughts, new experiences. Yeah, exactly. Know? And I think that's why when I watch something, I do like to talk to somebody about it. Yeah. So like when I watch a new TV show, because that's what I mainly watch, I always try to find somebody that's watched that TV show because I want to discuss it. And it's the same for movies. You get a different perspective um, based on what you've been through or how you saw it or yeah. the emotion you pulled from it. And I don't know. It just brings – there's so many times that I I like something better once I've talked about it. And I'm like, man, just like I said earlier, like now that we've talked about it, I want to know the rest of the story. Yeah. So. I mean, the next movie, I might have to break up into like four or five sessions because that seems like it's really long. Was it three and a half hours? It's it's like 200 minutes. So it's about 320. Yeah. So that's like three VHS tapes. No, it's two. Still two. <laughs> <laughs> Still two. So, I don't know of a movie that's... It's two. It's still two. Yeah. I don't know of a movie, that, like a single movie that's had more than two VHS tapes. Was Green Mal one VHS? No, I mean, two, two VHS. I think it, it was two. Okay. But usually, I mean... I guess it's true. Titanic was two. Yeah, I mean, generally, I mean, you can hold about two and a half hours on a VHS tape. So unless your movie's over five hours... Right. You, you should be okay. <laughs> Anyways, point out... <laughs> anytime I think about so breaking here, it up... I'm here, Aaron and Josh, talk about antiquated <laughs> uh, home video formats. Well, for some reason, when I talk about breaking it up, that's kind of how I vision, like envision it. Yeah. It's like, I'm watching the first VHS, yeah. I'm watching the second VHS. Well, even like some DVDs, they they had to break up. Yeah, that's true. Multiple DVDs. So yeah. To mostly save, like, picture quality, you know. Right. Like, Orange for Arabia, and mostly, like, stuff that's really, like, way over three hours. Yeah. But, but, I mean, overall, I think I think it was a good movie, and it, it it really had all the kind of things that I enjoy in a movie as far as storyline, mm-hmm. coming of age, family stuff. Those are my favorite. And it just did a great job at making you feel what they were feeling. So it yeah. did pull you in. And that's just like when I told you I watched the first section. And I was like, I think I watched like 20, 30 minutes. And turns out I watched at least an hour. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize it. Yeah. And that's that's when I know I'm enjoying a movie. Yeah, when you're not you're not watching the readout to see how long you've got or right, whatever. Exactly. You know? Um so, well, that's good. I'm really I'm really happy you liked The Godfather. Yeah. And I, I do think because if you hadn't <laughs> we may have I to wake the up podcast. tomorrow with a Head in my Squirrel's bed. Squirrel's head in your bed or something. Uh, my little squirrel get friends. No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, I, but I think I'm interested in seeing the rest of the story. Yeah. So that says something. I, I mean, will I ever watch it? I'm not sure. You will if I pick it. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> um, if I'm forced, 100%. Um, will I ever go back and watch Godfather again? Probably not. There's not many movies I do watch more than once, but... It still was a good story and enough to make me want to know the rest of the story. Awesome. So whether that's I watch it or I just make you tell me the rest of the story, <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> On the next episode, Josh will describe scene by scene The Godfather Part 2 for Aaron. <laughs> just yeah. a complete walkthrough. <laughs> complete with terrible, terrible accents. There we go. That might be a bonus feature, but it's not the next episode. <laughs> So, I guess, moving on, yeah. Squid in the Well. Squid in the Well. Uh, 2005 film. Uh, yep. 
I guess I'll just preface it with this is more of my type of movie that I really enjoy. Yeah. I mean, not that I don't enjoy all the other movies that we've done, Coyote Ugly. And I mean, I'm sure we'll do other movies that are you will think will be silly. But this yeah. is the epitome of like a, a, a real movie I like completely enjoy. Okay. I had seen Squid and the Whale... I think when it came out on DVD. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's been 17 years. Honestly, that's probably when I saw 15. it. And I remember liking it back then, but I, uh, rewatching it recently, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, oh, <laughs> I don't know if you've said that about any of my movies. <laughs> no, I liked uh, my friend Dahmer. Oh, yeah. I well, liked, that's a good movie. Um, uh, what was another one? My friend Dahmer. I liked <laughs> I like my friend Omer. But yeah, no, I like Squid and the Whale. Like I said, it's funny how we picked movies about families. Right. But yeah, I like I like Squid and the Whale. I like the, the family dynamics. I like how it juxtaposes the the different parents' attitudes. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do they even get together to begin with? Right. You know? And I like how sincere it is about the, the children's development and how the parents' divorce really, you know, puts a wall between... The between kids, the, between the kids and the family, and, you know, and the how, kids and the parents, and yeah, the, and you know how it's in general. Um, I mean, I think that's something a lot of people certainly relate to, right? And it's told in a very, you know, kind of documentary style. It's never really like locked off or anything. It's always, it's always very personal. Getting up in the character's business, like it's right. always. I'm pretty sure the movie's mostly all handheld for the most part, and. It makes it feel very spontaneous. Right. Like you're... Almost just watching what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Like it, It's yeah. actually just going on. Yeah. Um, so I, I I really enjoyed it. I Jeff Daniels got it. I wanted to murder him. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jeff Daniels, but man. That character. Whew. Now, so... From and then every- when his kid, when Jesse Eisenberg, his son, is like trying to mimic him, I'm just like... Oh, yeah. The cringe is it was, hard. It was it's hard. And it's just like, oh, kid, please stop. Just, yeah. you know, and he's, you know, he finally does, you know, at the end of the movie, he's like, you do see the progression of him through the really, movie. Really? And it's kind of like finding out, I mean, they're both, him and his little brother are sort of on similar wavelengths. They're both mm-hmm. finding out that their, their parents aren't perfect. Right. You know, and they're finding out about all their faults and, and it kind of, I mean, I think everyone's had that moment probably where, right. you know, you start seeing your parents as less than a parent and just as another person. Right. With, you know, various issues or faults or whatever. So it's, I mean, it's very relatable. And I like the the arc they both go through, especially Jesse Eisenberg, who is, I can't remember, Walt. Walt, yeah. By the end of the movie, he really kind of sees how full of it his dad is. Mm-hmm. And even, even like at the end of the movie, he's like, I had a, towards the end of the movie, he's had a heart attack and they're wheeling him off. And he's yeah. still going on about like how... I forget what it was he was telling him about. I think where he tried to save the cat. Yeah, he was like, "Oh, I saved the cat. I did the." You know, it's right. like, dude, calm down, calm down. You, like, have a, you you're, just you're had a dying. Heart yeah. <laughs> and then, oh, my favorite moment in the movie is when it's at the end when uh, Walt um, goes to visit his dad in the hospital, mm-hmm. and his dad's complaining about the a book he's reading or something. It's like, oh, it's minor. It's talking about Elmer Leonard book. It's yeah. like this is minor stuff. It's so so pompous, and. 
And you can really see it in Eisenberg's performance that he's just so over, right, over it. And yeah, that's like he, the tipping moment, right yeah, there. And he goes to get his dad like a drink or something. He goes to get him something to drink or eat, and yeah. he just leaves. And he, he just never leaves. returns. And it's like it's a good moment to end because that's because that's what the movie's about is finding out who your parents really are. And at that point, he's found out. And you know, and I like I like movies that leave that open at the mm-hmm. end. Like you don't know what else he's going to do. Is he going to go? Right. You know, spend more time with his mom. Is he just going to move out on his Which own? Which he does. He does mention um, maybe arrange, rearranging some days so he could spend some more time with his mom because he hit through the movie. He picks his dad yeah. because he's trying to be like him. Yeah. So he basically lives with his dad the whole time. Yeah. And the dad is like, no, but that's my day. And he's like, but. I've basically yeah. lived with you this whole time. And then that's when he, you, you can just tell he's over it. Like that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Like not being yeah. flexible when he had stayed with him all this time. And he just leaves. And I think it's a great ending as well. Just it it wraps up the movie. And it's one of those endings that it's just, it doesn't really tell you what happens. Like you said, it doesn't. It leaves it very open, but he goes back to the museum that they always went to to see the, um, to see the, the squid, squid in the, the well because he's not afraid anymore. Right? You know, it's he's, it's all about his growing up and yeah. and that squid in the well. As a kid, it always scared him, but he goes back there almost because it's a comfort at that point. Yeah, he's comfortable with that. It's a memory from his childhood, and he just kind of has come full circle. Yeah, and he's no longer afraid of it. You know, right. he's, he's become a man at this. Point. Yeah, he's you know an adult. Like I said, this is the kind of movie I really like. I, I love coming of age stories because you do get to see a progression of a character and it, they're always relatable. We, I think everybody goes through a progression of their character. And so there's always something to relate to. And then just like the messed up family dynamics, like, I mean, they're going through a divorce, but then you see all of them going through other stuff like Bernard, which is Jeff Daniels. He's realizing his wife just doesn't want to be his wife anymore. I yeah. think because there's even a couple scenes where he's like, like when you called my dad, you yeah. I, it seemed like maybe we could get back together. Maybe we should try that. And yeah. she's she's no. just like no. Um, he's so it's just like, but he's just so ego pompous. run amok. Yeah, like and. <laughs> because even when he's like, I've done good things. Remember that one time I, I cooked, I, it was yeah. like soup while you were sick. Well, he's like, he's like, I cooked you a dinner. He's like, she, she's like, you made soup. Yeah. <laughs> or something. The, yeah. It was soup or something. I don't know, whatever it was, but it was just like, it was something very easy. Right. But it was also because <laughs> it was she like, was sick. And it was, yeah. And she it, couldn't make it. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, it was even something else she says where he's like, and then, and then I had to do something else like while yeah. she was sick. I don't know. But it's. Oh, like, oh, my God. You you basically hate his character. I, yeah. I mean... It's like and, the parents in a Kajillionaire. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Another great movie. Yeah, I it's a good movie. movie. Laura Lenny, the mom. Yeah. She, You find out she had actually been having an affair for four years. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what sparked the divorce. But yeah. still through the movie... You almost feel for her more than you do the husband because it's almost like oh, yeah. I mean, no wonder. Well, I mean, you can see why she would have an affair. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> and, it's almost like you don't blame her. And she's the one that's acting like an adult. Yeah. He's just, very childish he's about very a lot He's very childish of and controlling and, you know. He thinks really highly of himself. Like, even. Like, he, when they're playing tennis. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Stephen Ball. Is it St- Stephen? Steve, no, it's not Stephen Baldwin. It's. Uh, William Baldwin. William Baldwin. Gosh, tell me Baldwin. I love him too in the movie. He's yeah. He's the complete opposite right. of of um, 
Jeff uh, Frank, uh, no, uh, Bernard, Jeff Daniels. Bernard sees him as like, you know, an idiot. He's mm-hmm. like, you should, he tells Eisenberg. He's not an intellectual. Yeah, he tells Walter like, don't aspire to be a pro like, right. like him, you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah, but that's a decent dude. Right. And he's been like, and that's, and, and you can see that because, um, Frank, the youngest boy. Yeah. That's who he wants to be like. Yeah. And, and like, even when they're playing table tennis, he's, yeah. his, with dad's his dad, just like, he's like, he's a horrible person. He's like, well, I'm like him. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not like you. He's very outspoken, which, yeah. You even see a crazy, I don't know, crazy is the word, but you definitely see also Frank. And how he deals with it, but he's also at an age where he's going through some stuff anyways. Yeah. But the divorce and all the, everything that's going on in the family heightens it. Mm-hmm. He acts out at school. He he does weird things like he always shoves a cashew up his nose. Yeah. yeah. Um, just for no reason. And then he's like, I can't breathe. And I think it's and like he, it's been up there the whole movie. Yeah, I, and, I don't and know it if it was, comes out the whole yes, the, end of the movie, which is a it's, big point because he's left at home because yeah. his mom leaves knowing it's his dad's time. Yeah, his dad completely forgot about him because he favors Walt. Yeah, and he gets drunk. And he gets drunk. He's now drinking, and he's he's young in this movie. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. He's probably like I don't know eleven. Yeah, 12, I would say like right around there. But he's so he his end of his story is kind of he spirals into a. Rock bottom, yeah. At, at eleven or twelve, yeah. And it's just—I yeah. mean, that's how he dealt with everything. I guess, like maybe you know, if the cashew had been up there the whole time, because he sticks right. it up there at the start of the movie. Yeah, and then and it comes out like, towards the end. It's sort of similar to like the um, Walt seeing the squid and the whale. It's like a visual signifier that he's changed and right. things. He's reached a point where he's like, all right, yeah, because that's basically the for the most part the end of his story yeah i mean of course he's in the rest but yeah but <laughs> i tell you who i really felt bad for the whole movie though the cat because yeah. this cat is <laughs> this cat they even shared a custody of the cat and like it was being dragged back and forth and they'd be like no it's not your night to have the cat because the kids <laughs> wanted it at both places but even the cat maybe this is going to be the sequel See it from the cat's perspective. <laughs> I mean, even the cat at the end escapes. Yeah. Even and, the cat's wanting to get out. Right, exactly. And I think, in a way, that's part of the story. I hadn't thought of that. That's great. Um, I felt so bad. Uh, the cat, it, to me, was its own character. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, because even uh, a cat is being drugged back and forth between houses yeah. and f- being fought over. And <laughs> That's a great take. Yeah. Really? And then the, I had and then not the cat escapes. That. Every little detail, I think, means something in this movie. Yeah, and it's uh, a very, it's a very thoughtful film, right? Like, well, it yeah. is the writer Noah Noah Bombach. Yes, yeah. Uh, it is. He took loosely pieces of his life for this movie. Yeah, he, um, he because his both of his parents were writers and yeah. they did divorce. You can see that in a lot of his films. Mm-hmm. He also made uh, Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. Came out a couple years that. ago with Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. It's a oh, good movie, right. but it's very you'd like it. It's very similar in in some ways to Squid yeah. and the Whale. I mean, it's a, it's about a divorce. So clearly, his parents went through a divorce, right? A messy divorce at some He's point from in that. his life. And I feel like throughout the movie, you can feel that. What else um, did he direct? I'm blanking. Oh, I would not know. I do know that Owen Klein, who played the youngest Frank, 
now directs stuff. Oh, really? Uh, and I was when I was doing like the IMDb to pull up some information because I'm horrible with names. They he just had one released this month this year. Um, huh. I forget what it was called though, but well, that's cool. So I think that's mainly what he did. I think this was his m- movie, main movie, just made in like movie he yeah. starred in. But I mean, honestly, to be that young because he was young as an actor then, and yeah, yeah. To play this weird part, I mean, the kid was messed up and really trying to figure things out. I think he did a great job at that. I think yeah. it was all the all the casting and all the acting in this also just really draws you in because yeah. it just seems real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems authentic, and you know, like like Jeff Daniels, who's really usually just so like kind of lovable, and you like right. him immediately like him in movies, and you're just like, oh my god, I want to strangle you. Dude. Yeah. Totally different in this movie. Um, and Laura Lenny always plays that plays that kind of role really well. Like, yeah. kind of parent or kind of reminded me a little bit of her in Love Actually a little bit where she's. I'm not seeing that. I think I that's think surprising. Only you other, haven't seen Love. I don't actually. love. I don't like love movies. Well, it's not really. Uh, well, it has it in the title, so well, I avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a romantic comedy, but it's also it has like a lot of. Hmm. I mean, just general. I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like, a. I mean, a movie you would like. Oh. I mean, maybe I would, but I've avoided it because it was called Love, actually. But she plays like kind of like a, a character trying to hold her, her family together, taking mm-hmm. care of her parents, and it's kind of a similar vein to this. When um, I hear her name, I'm always like, oh, yeah, her. I like her. But I can't tell you anything I've seen her in. Uh, although, was she in The Mothman? She was. She yeah. was the cop. Yeah, she's the sheriff. Or, okay. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, the sheriff. Yeah. So, like... This movie and that movie, I think, are the only things I, I can remember that I've seen her in. But okay, yeah, she's a great. Actress. And I don't know if it's just because I know she's a good actress or whatever. Yeah. But just hearing her name, I'm always like, yeah, I like her. And I'm like, wait, why do? Where have I even <laughs> you seen like her? her from Squid and the Whale? <laughs> I like her from Squid and the Whale and Mothman. Yeah. So Wes Anderson produced this film. I feel oh, like yeah, Aaron would really this. like Wes Anderson movies. If okay. this is like your your bag. Yeah. They all is, have that indie film, like, real artsy. I love that feel, too, like, yeah. Especially his, his earlier stuff, like uh, Rushmore and um, hmm. Real Tenenbaums. At, okay. at the Darling Jing. Yeah. And, like, I like Moonrise Kingdom a whole lot. It's a fun one. I'm not a fan of him, so you would probably like it. But you yeah. probably like it, yeah. <laughs> I, I figured you had a Wes Anderson hot take, so I thought I'd just throw it out there and see what we could get. <laughs> well, I would say this is probably the only one I've seen. I, like, I appreciate Wes Anderson's... He has a... An aesthetic mm-hmm. and like a tone and like he has he a, a niche. yeah he has a style he's just never altered that style ever <laughs> yeah it's like it's well, like you look at someone point. like Scorsese or something you know he'll make Goodfellas and then his next movie is The Age of Innocence and there are two couldn't be more different films yeah. like it's just technically the way they're made what the story's about care like I I appreciate range. When right. you can do very different films, like back-to-back. Like Spielberg's great at it. He did, like, Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's, like, couldn't be more different movies. And, like, I like if you like Wes Anderson, that's cool. I'm not saying, like, a, you know, it just, I just wish It's he, not that he has and like, bad stuff. Like, and I it's like the just, World of Tenenbaums, too, a lot yeah. when I saw it. Like, but then it just seemed like everything else was just the same thing. Like it's, almost the same, like, it's almost like music. Like, you have Nickelback, you know? Like... They came out I with one even, song. And I wouldn't even 
I would just say, Wes Henderson's not that bad. At least he has a style. Well, I'm just saying, like, you know, they came out with like one song and people liked it, and they were like, oh, that's a good song. We'll just make that one with different words. Every album. Yeah. Yeah. Just that kind of thing. Like sometimes you want to see range, yeah, just would, like you want in like actors and music, and you, you would like you want everybody to progress. Probably. It's very, it's very quirky. Yeah, you know, I like, and that is the thing. Like I do really enjoy that independent type feel, the coming of age stories, the messed up family stories, the quirky, weird, and there's definitely weird parts in this movie. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, some of the ways they deal with stuff, especially the young boy. It's odd, but it is stuff that people do, and it's ways of acting out. Yeah, um, I mean, they're not shying away from this. The, this movie does not shy away from anything. Yeah, from the I don't know the I don't say grit, but not not right. Grit, but just the realness of the situation. Yeah, I get. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Like, it doesn't shy away from even the the weirdest or you know odd ways that people do act out yeah um because i mean even with jeff daniel's character he he's teaching that class yeah and he's all about that one girl that writes yeah and I, what and a pack one yeah lily lily and lily's like i'm getting kicked out of my apartment and he's like you can live with me we have an extra room and he like he starts to really feel for her I yeah, guess. I mean, they kind of enter in a relationship. A little but. bit, but then you kind of see eventually, like, she's not really into that. Like, that's not what she's wanting. Yeah, I think, like, um, maybe... She has this admiration for him. Yeah, I think maybe she had, like, a little kind of a, a little crush on him, maybe, right. like, in class. And, then... and I think it's built out of admiration, and, you know, supposedly he's this great writer, and she yeah. loves his books, but then... He just expects that that's like his girlfriend, basically. Yeah. And it's just one of those weird things that you he's see the, dealing with. It. That might be like one of the scenes towards the end when like Eisenberg walks in on his dad trying to like kiss her. Yeah. And she's clearly not. And, yeah. Not, she's not clearly saying not like, I, that's not what I want. And it's like a real moment where he sees that, you know, his dad's kind of, who, a, kind of a eh, not icky. great person. Yeah. Kind yeah. of like not a. Words we can't use here. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but you see that throughout because even um, he's also so jealous of Joan, Laura Lenny, his wife, uh, getting her book published because he has oh, yeah. a book that now nobody wants to publish. Yeah. Constantly like putting everybody else down. Yes. 100%. Like nobody else is doing anything. It's all, you know, everything's lesser than right. what he's done. And, and, and it's just the way he deals with, you know, the divorce is – like that darkness and that whole I'm better than everybody. Yeah. You know, it's I, her fault and it, it wears off on Walt and then it even ruins the relationship a little bit for Walt and Frank, the brothers. Yeah. Um, which you see patched up in the end too. And they actually, I think he's like, is that when it's about the cat? He's like, yeah. you take the cat tonight, brother. And that's when the cat escapes. <laughs> The cat's like, no, no, thank you. I will just leave. <laughs> I would, I, I think like maybe if there's um, kind of an inherent fault with the movie, mm-hmm. it's that Bernard, the Jeff Daniels, it can, like, he can kind of become a little bit of a caricature. Mm-hmm. Nobody's that way through like 24 <laughs> seven. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm sure they're, you know, I don't know. He's so pompous. Yeah. And it, it I mean, Jeff Daniels is great in the movie. I would have liked maybe just a little bit more 
humanity and like a little bit more three-dimensional. Yeah. I think you get a little bit of that in that scene I was talking about where he's talking about talking to his dad. Yeah, and, that's true. Uh, yeah, that's you see one. the conversation between him and Laura Lenny about, you know, well, my dad, when you talked to him, it seemed like maybe there was more to this and, you know, maybe we could save things. And the way he starts, it is like a, almost like a heartfelt woman coming from his end. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't having any of it, but I think you see a little of the like human in him then. And there is the fact that I think he does care about his kids yeah, in his own weird way. Yeah. But I mean, he does like choose one over the other and... Yeah, I mean, he wants him very, to be just like him. He's but, very petty. Right. But I could see that. He, he could use a one or two other little... Just a couple moments where he's just to kind of like show that he's not a complete... Right. Horrible you know, person. Horrible person like yeah. all the time. And I mean, like he's not like... I mean, I think like he still loves his kids. Right. It's just... He gets so wrapped up in There's not really is. any kind of... Like he pretty much starts and ends the movie the same way. Right. And... You know, I think Laura Lenny goes through more of a journey. Yeah. You know, where she's yeah, she does. discovering herself. She gets her book published. She finds someone who's really caring. Mm-hmm. All you know, and, great with the kids. Yeah, and who isn't like, you know, he's the exact opposite of yeah. Bernard. But uh, I think that goes to say that. But I think it not not everybody does change. No, um, yeah. Some people don't find that journey. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I yet. think it's best if you do, but. Some people don't go through that journey when they need to or when they should. It, yeah. it has to come. Well, and for him, it's just not that point in life. Yeah, I, mean, I think like for the story that he's almost more of a story function right. than than a, than a character, really. Yeah. He's almost, I mean, uh, honestly, a lot of the story is driven by him and his attitude. Yeah, I mean, um, like the kid, they don't get divorced if he's not, like if he was just a normal, right. loving father and, you know, didn't. Yeah. Put everyone down all the time, then it wouldn't. They wouldn't get divorced, and you wouldn't have a movie, right? And, you know, well, if, he, but, and if he doesn't wasn't creeping on the students, then <laughs> son wouldn't have seen what a creep he was. And if yeah. he wasn't this and that, you know, so he's. I mean, he's the catalyst for yeah, like and it, I mean, he even he even has such a part on Walt's character because he starts he he meets that one girl that's his girlfriend in the movie. Yeah, I guess I didn't print out her name. Anyways, Sophie. Sophie. Oh, yeah, so yeah. he's dating her, but even with dating her, like, they're kissing, or, and he pulls away, and he's like, I wish you didn't have so many freckles on your face. Yeah, that's... And, oh. and then when they're talking about books, he pretends to know what he's talking about but from what oh. his dad has said, <laughs> and she's talking about it, and it doesn't make sense, but he just, just continues, like, he knows it all just like his dad. Yeah, it's... Oh, my God, he, it's so cringe. He, and then he, it's like when he's... It's like... He's like... Pink Floyd, the, the song. That's what I was going to say when he like, does the... He's, uh, like, he's like, oh, I wrote it. And I'm like... I'm watching it like he's playing it now. It's like, how is no one saying that that is well, not... <laughs> right. And well... I know this takes place he, in like, I don't know, in the 80s at some yeah. point. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe some people didn't, but <laughs> it's like it's only one of the most famous albums. Right. But it, it clearly, <laughs> it's it's stated in the movie, not stated, but the first time, which is towards the beginning, that they play that for the parents. And they don't know um, either. Well, it pans across the music sheet for that song. Yeah. So clearly he did not write that. Oh, yeah. Like when you see him practicing? Yeah. 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 And then they sing it. And then he's like, I'm going to do it in the talent show. And everybody loved it. Yeah. And he just claims it's his own. And yeah. I mean, he takes his, oh. he, he doesn't have his own attitude. He pulls that from his dad. He doesn't play his own music. He pulls that yeah, from his Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the whole movie is just him trying to find his own identity. Yeah. You know? And it's just that 
And he had to, he had to get away from right from his dad, you know, I and mean, his mom too, to a certain degree. I would imagine that that's what's going to happen to him. He's just going to kind of because he's probably. I mean, he's probably graduating high school soon. I would think I so. Think. Yeah. So he's probably just going to go out on his own, book it, and go to college or whatever. And I could see that happening. Get you know, and, and squid in the well too. So turns out both the films this week we. I guess we both ended up liking. Yeah. Uh, that we both liked them. But they also, once again, dealt with the same kind of subject matter. I don't know how we always do that, but it it's cool because we can kind of relate these two movies in a way. They're totally different movies. I mean, Godfather is super well-known. Squid in the Well is not necessarily well-known, but it is a Criterion film. Yeah. So, I mean, it's known. It was critically acclaimed. Right. Yeah. So, but you know, a divorce and a mob family killing people. You wouldn't think it, that they have so much in common, but once it breaks down, like it's, yeah, the base stories are pretty similar. And like I said, I think they were both great movies. That's what happens to Jesse Eisenberg. He becomes the head of a mafia family after putting the whale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Took a real hard right turn there. Yeah. I mean, maybe not though. Maybe it's in his cards. <laughs> maybe it's in his cards. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to the end of this episode. By the time you guys hear this episode, you should have already got one episode this month. We are going to shoot for two episodes a month now, uh, which means I have to watch four movies a month. So that's going to be the struggle in that. I think other than that, we'll definitely be able to deliver. <laughs> it's just getting me to watch those four movies a month. But so we're going to do that. Okay, so for this next episode, mm -hmm. it's going to be just you and I again discussing movies. Yep. And I, ch well. <laughs> what fresh hell have you chosen for me this time, Aaron? <laughs> so I, going way different, sort of. I mean, it deals with stuff too, but <laughs> step up. <laughs> the step up and squid in the whale. Yes. Like, oh, I could totally see the parallels. Yeah. I, we'll talk about it, okay? <laughs> There's there, It deals with some real issues, okay? So This is on the Channing Tatum, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I have to watch Step Up? Yes. Uh, yes. Step Up is going to be for you. What am I going to have to watch? So again, we we actually did not plan this, but our films are very similar. Okay. I'm choosing 1979's All That Jazz. Another old movie. By... <laughs> Directed by Bob Fosse, who also directed Cabaret in 72, I think. So there are two films about dance. Okay. Um, I have a feeling Step Up is mostly going to be about dance. Uh, all and that jazz fine. is like, it's about a man like unwinding right before his death. Okay. It's very theatrical, kind of, there's a lot of kind of abstract imagery. It's very... It's very unique. Yeah. And Stanley Kubrick. Do you know who Stanley Kubrick is? I know that name. Okay. Well, he's, I mean, generally regarded as like one of the, not the best filmmaker. Okay. He said, all that jazz is the best film ever made. Okay. Upon upon release in 79. Uh, and then Step he's, Up came out. Of course, he also <laughs> said, I think the same thing about The Godfather too. Oh, okay. So he had good taste. But I think it's going to surprise you. Mm -hmm. How it where it ends up? Okay, well, um, I think it'll be good. I, I will say I don't think. I mean, most likely Step Up's not theatrical and you know great shots like the other ones. And 
Stanley didn't say anything about it. Stanley but, didn't say. I like how you're on a first name basis with Stanley Kubrick now. I Stanley just, didn't say it was Step Up was that great. But, I mean, it did. Stanley wasn't some, alive when Step Up came out either. But Well, maybe that's why he didn't have an opinion. Oh. But, but it does deal with some stuff. But it is, I mean, it's heavy on the dancing. Yeah. I which mean, is fine. Yeah. So dance movies next time. So join us for that because, you know, why not? Might as well listen to us talk about them. <laughs> it's better than us dancing, I would think. Yes. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> so there's not much going on at the library right now. Both youth and adult are on a little hiatus, but keep an eye out for the programs coming back for youth and adult in September. Also, September 1st-ish is when our next podcast should come out. Mm -hmm. So we're shooting for beginning of the month and middle of the month to bring two episodes. Dance into September. That's right. (laughs) That is right. Come dance into September with us. (laughs) Um... But also in September, you will have... We're going to have Real Cinephiles yes. on September 15th. We're going to be showing Mad Max Fury Road, the black and chrome edition. Which so we black and white. covered. That was, that was our first episode. We did not do the black and chrome. No, you just watched it. But we have discussed it. Yeah. So this is a... So if you listen to us, this will be a great opportunity to come see... One of the movies that yeah, we that we've talked about that we've talked about, and you could definitely talk to Josh about that one, and yeah, you know, <laughs> pick his brain from our episode as well as just from watching it that night. Yeah, so so that'll be um, September fifteenth at six o'clock here at the library. Okay, so that is everything we have for you this episode. Join us again. Like I said, it will be September first for our next one when we talk about dance. So for now, I'm Aaron. I'm Josh. And this has been Real Opposites. (sighs) (laughs) Okay. So I guess that brings... (laughs) What? (laughs) Leave that in. (laughs) Yeah, do not. I swear, when we do it, like, if it's like in the discussion, it needs to be like, beep. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's really loud. (laughs) (laughs) There's your blooper. (laughs) That would really be funny if you just beeped everything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. All right, so I guess that brings us to the end of the discussion about these movies. And, um, but we, what the fuck am I doing? Okay, let's let's wrap this up. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to the end of this episode and the discussion on these movies. Um, we are, if you haven't noticed, there's by the time this you're listening to this, we should have. <laughs> Turn me down a little bit. That's loud. I did. Oh, okay, he, no more beeping. He's loud too. <laughs> I just, I had it okay. all the time. My hands were going to freak out. <laughs> 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 that was a different laugh. It was very giggly. Yeah. It was very anime. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, like, <laughs> like her eyes went all like.
is happening? <laughs> it's your mic one. I hope so. Oh, too bad. I broke your gel pen. You can still hear you probably. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. I don't know what you did, but. We're funny 24 7. Um, uh-huh. That's true. <laughs> this was our, probably our driest episode, but it's good. Like, it was all very, very good. Yeah.